record. <clears throat> okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the PSD podcast. I am Pro Skills Basketball co-founder Logan Kosmalski. Very excited to uh, talk with everybody today about performance coaching and the mental aspect of athletics with Stuart Singer. Um, Stu is a sports psychology and performance consultant for Well Performance. He's worked with the WNBA's Washington Mystics, the University of Maryland's women's basketball team, uh, Fordham University women's basketball team, amongst many others. Stu, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Logan. Um, well, yeah, I just want to kind of hop right into it, Stu. Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, a little bit about what Well Performance does? Uh, for sure. Um, you know, I try to I try to frame out my work um, where where coaches maybe um, where where coaching ends and where I pick up. And, and the easiest way for me to say that is that I think in in the world of sports, the world of performance, uh, in particular on the mental side, what what we get a lot of is the what, as in you know, forget about that last miss, forget about the last loss, the last mistake. Um, you have to have a short memory. Um, you need to get locked in. You know, a lot of phrases that are certainly accurate. I can't can't argue with any of those and, and certainly well-intentioned. But the problem is, is that they, um, they're, they're super easy to, or I'm sorry, they're super simple to understand. You know, of course I should, you know, let go of the last miss. Uh, but they're, they're really hard <laughs> to do. So I feel like my job is in the how. Uh, I think a lot of players, you know, certainly, honestly, by high school have heard the right things to do. It's just that getting there is, is really hard. And so uh, my job is, is to try to teach the how, not the what. Yeah, that's really interesting because, I, you know, as, as a former player myself, I was really into the sports psychology and I I really worked hard. I was a I was a pretty anxious person before games. You know, I was I was always nervous, yep. and I I knew that didn't really help my performance in the long run. Um, it probably wasn't the most healthy thing for my body either. But um, sure, <laughs> can can you give us a few examples of, of like some concrete things that you work on? Like, let's use me as an example. What would you have done with me um, back in my playing days, being an anxious and and, and you know nervous uptight person before games well i mean i can actually walk you through exactly what i do um with every new athlete that i work with which is the very first thing is that i i teach them what that anxiety is so why what is anxiousness why do we feel that and there's a science to it you know i i i, I share this with both coaches and and players when i work with them is that you know, we're really bought into the idea that the body has a science to it. If we lift, you know, weights a certain way on a certain schedule at a certain amount, we're going to get stronger. And we believe that because there's a science to it. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, sometimes we, we, you know, knowingly or unknowingly seem to make the message that the science ends at the neck. And then all of a sudden at the head, it's just a bunch of tricks that we, we try to do to, to convince ourselves or just a couple great quotes. That's all we need. And, and the reality is that's not necessarily what we need. And so the very first thing is I teach what the science is. So anxiousness is simply our, our brain system of telling us that there's something in front of us 
that's potentially quote unquote dangerous to us. So what you were doing, which is what most of us do right before performance is I want to be perfect. I don't want to make a mistake. We've gone through the scout. I, I supposedly know the scout. We've gone through our offenses, our defenses. I, I know those. I, I've trained for this moment, but oh shit, what if, uh, what if I mess up? Mm-hmm. And that, that registers in us as fear and which is normal. Uh, the fight or flight response kicks in, which is the butterflies that you felt. And, um, and so by just learning that essentially what we're doing is predicting at that moment, your mind is not present. It's predicting it's into the future. It's asking the question, what if, and when our mind asks the question, what if, what it's doing at that moment is predicting what's potentially going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so that is within a nutshell, the, the idea of why we get anxious or feel stress or feel pressure before performance. Yeah. Stu, can I, can I expand on that or ask you to expand on that a little bit? Like what yeah, is, what is that fear? So you, you said, you know, in my situation, I'm probably sitting there thinking about like, what if I don't play well? What if I'm not perfect? <clears throat> what does that boil down to? Is that a fear of, Hey, if I don't play well, I'm not going to be accepted by my teammates or it's going to be embarrassment. Is a fear of being outcast. Like, is there like a primal sort of, you know, where does that fear come from? Yeah, that's a phenomenal question. And it's, it's dead on the, it is primal. First of all, it's, it's so what I always tell athletes is that it's hardwired into us. Mm -hmm. So essentially the brain's number one, goal its number one purpose is survival so if you think about prehistoric version of us uh it really related to survival in terms of either predators that were attempting to attack us and or the the need to to continue to survive so food and shelter and and water and so if any of those things were not if you the food, shelter, or water weren't present, then that's a threat to us. And or if there's some type of, of, of uh, predator, that's a threat to us. And so the brain developed this really, you know, highly sensitive, extremely fast and powerful mechanism for sensing when something's not going right, or if there is potential danger, which served to keep us alert. To, to say, okay, wait a second, what's, I hear something around and, you know, rustling around behind that bush. I need to protect myself. I need to get out. That's the concept of fight or flight. So it is so deeply hardwired into us. The idea to say to someone, just be fearless is, is actually, it's impossible. It's not, it's not, it's not our design, nor do we want it to be because this instinct still serves us very well in many moments. Mm-hmm. The problem is right before a game, when you're feeling that, um, it does serve some great purposes. It primes us. It has our adrenaline pumping. It has our blood pumping. We're we're as alive as we're possibly going to be. We're ready to go. The downside is if it gets too high, it, it actually serves against us, which is where muscles tighten, which is where peripheral vision gets tunneled. Um, you know, and it's our heart rate and our breathing becomes too rapid and too fast. Mm-hmm. And so the fine line, so f- for, for what you described is, you know, if I, I often do a one to 10 scale. And so between five to probably six and a half, seven 
is pretty good. That's where you want to be. That means that your 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 adrenaline's flowing, you're pumped up, you're excited, um, you're ready to dive on the floor and not even care about you know because the the pain's almost a, a little bit alleviated because of how high our adrenaline is. That's fine. If you get into the eight, nine, ten range, which would might be what you're describing, you may not have been the nine, ten, but you may have been in the eight. You know, it's just a little bit beyond what you wanted it to do. My job is to help you dial that down so that you're back in that five, six range. So it's okay to have butterflies. It's not okay to be to the point where the mind is having a hard time focusing and, and locking into the things that actually matter for your performance. But it is very primal. It's normal. And it is always the idea that that we've now taken that kind of prehistoric uh, hardwiring for checking for danger, and now we've made it about our sport. Yeah. And the reality is, our sport is not life or death. And, and that's the, that's what I was going to ask you. So, I mean, again, I, I kind of come back to it. What somebody like me? How would you? How would you examine what I'm actually fearful? Because I mean, like. In that situation, I know I'm not going to die, you know. So it's right. not like the fear of death, but it, it's more of a fear of, I guess. Yeah. What would you ascribe that fear to? Well, I, I'll, I'll challenge you a little bit on that. Your your um, rational mind knows that, but your your fight or flight mind, your emotional mind, which are two different parts of the brain, don't doesn't understand that. Uh, okay. And so. You know, and I'm not going to jump way deep into to the to the science here, but the part of the brain called the amygdala, that's our fear center, which is our fight or flight, which is the thing that tells us um, it's the thing that makes us move. Like, let's say a ball's flying at your face and within milliseconds you get your hand up or you or you duck or you move. It's it's that mechanism. It's that part of the brain that says, hey, that's dangerous. Move quick. And it's lightning fast. Right. And that's good. It serves us. But the problem is in that moment before a game, that thing, that part of the brain, the emotional center of the brain, the fear centers, sometimes called the lizard brain because it's the oldest part of our brain, it, 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 it can sometimes hijack our system. And so it's in charge, but it's really reactive and emotional, which, which then unfortunately kind of turns down the rational side of your brain which is telling you, hey, this isn't fight or flight, but but you can't get to that spot because the emotional side is so turned up. It could be really strong, can it? It, it, is, it is overwhelming. I mean, the way I describe it actually is I, I, I actually call it the gorilla, and I call that the factual side of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, the human. And I always ask the question, if a gorilla and a human get into a fight, hand-to-hand -hand fight who wins and the answer is always the gorilla it's not sometimes the gorilla it's always the gorilla so it's extremely fast and it's extremely powerful and that's why we don't manage it particularly well unless we understand it yeah wow that's really interesting stuff um to sort of you know expand on my situation a little bit and kind of take it one step further um you know, when I experienced things like this, it wasn't always the same. So I, I, I felt like if I could go back and do my career over again, I would really work to find a way to be more consistent with how I felt, be able to yep. work, like take concrete steps to get yep. myself 
in a more balanced instead of being for some games i was really high anxiety i was really nervous and for others i was cool as a cucumber and relaxed you know and um so i'm, I'm curious it's like is that something you see often where it's like you know people's anxiety or emotional state for games kind of varies and then what are like the concrete steps that you would tell somebody like hey you want to get yourself in this state and here's how you do it yeah for sure i do think it fluctuates i think that there are always some variables in place i will say that the majority of the time um if i have a relatively anxious and when i say relatively anxious this is not outside of performance normal like i will tell you that i think one of the kind of mistakes that we make thinking about the mental game is that let's say a guy like Kobe Bryant wasn't nervous before a game or, or Tom Brady is not nervous before the game. And that's a misnomer. They, they are right. But they, they learn how to manage it and they learn how to dial it into the right spot. But they've also, you know, again, I just named two guys that they, you know, 15 plus year uh, career. So at some point you really start to learn some mechanisms to keep yourself in the right place. But I'll say I heard an interview with Brady right before the Super Bowl, and, and he said, yeah, I still feel I still feel nervous before a game. Of course I do, because at the end of the day, we don't know how it's going to play out when we have uncertainty in our life. It triggers this this concept of of feeling something that's like, wait a second, how is this going to go? OK, so the the first part is is that the the up and down a little bit the, the the you know that you felt really good sometimes and not as good you know it could it could have been unfortunately like hey this game's really important for us or this is a big game or i haven't played well against this team traditionally or you name it and the other one might have been like man every time we play them we kill them and or i have a great game and so that gives you a sense of ease so so it could have been that or it could have been more random than that yeah. is that really don't know exactly why maybe it's more sleep or or whatever yeah, um that went into it right. right so and and the issue more than anything is that that inconsistency is about lack of awareness like you didn't know so some games you're like oh wow i'm in a great place i wonder why and then another time i'm in a horrible place and i wonder why but the but the consistent part of that is a lack of knowing exactly what it is and what are the things that I need to do so that I'm in a better place more yeah. consistently. And so I do go ahead. I was going to say you're, you're blowing my mind a little bit right now because I, I, <laughs> I felt like I was constantly searching for, you know, I, I've, I was excited to talk with you. I've read sports psychology book after sports psychology book and regular psychology books. I studied psychology in college. So I was really always on the hunt for you're like, a believer. Yes. Yeah. Why, why, like, why am I so, I mean, bef the best game of my career was against Duke and in the locker room before the Duke game, I was as, I was calmer and more at ease than I've ever been. That, that was my best game of my career. And then I played against other teams and I was really high anxiety, very nervous. And, and I recognized about myself, why am I this way? And I, I felt like my search for answers only exacerbated the problem. Hmm. Yeah. I, I don't think that that's, I think that's pretty typical. Um, and, you know, it's probably less valuable for us to go back and, and you know, I could take a guess at, at why the Duke game may have been the most calm you were, um, but, but it, it's almost less valuable to do that than it is to kind of, I think, 
go towards my approach with all my athletes to how do I get them to that consistent place? And, and I really work from a place of creating three core principles for them. So these are consistent core principles. They're no longer needing to guess. And, and, and I use the phrase from uh, Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee said um, that I don't fear the man that practices 10,000 kicks one time. I 10,000 different kicks one time. I fear the man that practices one kick 10,000 times. And the point being is getting really, really good at, at, a, at a small number is, is way more important than trying to cover a million different things but not getting good at any of them. And that's why I teach these three core principles. And I, and I use them ultimately for me at first to give them structure. But, but what happens over time is that the athlete themselves now uses these three core principles as their own diagnostic system. So now they can ask and answer their question as to why they're feeling a certain way. And if you want, I can share, I can go into Absolutely, those three. Yeah, core. please do. Yeah. So the first core principle um, is to play present, to be in the present moment. And I know that that's, and, and I'm going to kind of, at the end of these three, I'm going to, I'm going to add something, but, but I, I know that that concept of being present, being in the present moment is, has become a pretty um, vogue thing to say. And it may sound a little cliche, but again, when you go back to the prehistoric mind, the prehistoric mind either wants to repeat and go backwards. So that's why we often can't get the last mistake off of our mind because the, the mind's design is to pay attention to that so that it doesn't happen again. Or the mind's design is to say, what's the danger up ahead? Let me see if I can prevent it. The mind's design is not to stay still in the present moment very often. In fact, it's really super hard. And so it's much easier for me to say than it is to do, so it takes work. So that's the core principle number one, but it serves a very, very specific purpose because when we are out in front, when we are in prediction, we are absolutely gonna be in an anxiety, stress, pressure mind. Number two, is to give our attention to what we have control over within that present moment. Again, pretty cliche, really hard to do. And then the third one is, is to let go of judgment. And in many ways, especially with uh, younger athletes, and when I say younger, that sweet spot of uh, high school to college athletes, but, it, but it's true of pros as well, is that we're pretty caught up in what are others thinking about us. And again, relatively natural, we are um, pack animals, for lack of a better way of saying it. So we want to be part of the group. Uh, that's, that's our nature. Again, it's about survival. We didn't survive by being out in the uh, world alone. We, we, that's why we form communities and groups and, and, and tribes. And so it's a natural thing to want to be part of that. So we're nonstop kind of focusing. Am I, am I part of this group or not? What are their thoughts? And so it's very natural for the brain to go there. And, but the problem is, is that it's a really bad place for the mind when it comes to performance. 
So am I too focused on what others are thinking, whether it be my coaches, my, my teammates, the fans, uh, siblings, parents, whoever might be in my mind, what are they thinking about me? So it's natural that it occurs. What it is is ineffective, though, for my focus to be there. So as I catch myself in a place of I feel judgment of others, then I need to to be able to become aware of that and, and shift it um, away, which we work on as to what do I want it to be on. Yeah, so you, you would advise somebody to give, find another, I guess, another point for their focus and their energy as opposed to focusing. Correct. On yeah. Correct. And they will always be things that are, within our control. So pretty much process driven, not outcome driven. And they're always going to be present. So they're going to be, what are the things that matter now? So if I shoot an air ball, the only thing that truly matters in that moment is sprinting back, finding my man, communicating, giving energy. Okay. At that point, that's it. There is nothing else. Now I can sit there and worry because now the crowd's going air ball, air ball. What are they thinking about me? Now I'm caught in the past. I'm replaying it. Or what matters right now? And it's like I said, it's always going to be driven by what is the process of success in that moment, period. And so, so I just gave a bunch of stuff that I would say is relatively simple right? You, you, these are, I'm not giving anything that's, com, that's too out of the norm. I just, you know, the, these are things that you've probably heard before. Um, when they came out of my mouth, you said, I get it. You know, there's not, it's not complicated. What it isn't though, is easy because it's not the brain's design. So the, the problem that occurs is that well-intentioned, uh, uh, coaches, leaders, uh, adults, parents, teachers say these phrases in a, in a pretty simple way to young people. And then they kind of leave them there as if what they just gave them was the golden nugget, but it wasn't the golden nugget. The golden nugget is, man, how do I do that? Because my brain will not let me do it. But then the individual feels stuck because they're like, well, they said it like it must, it's easy. So maybe it is easy for everybody else. Maybe it's just me that doesn't know how to do this. But the reality is it's almost everyone. You know, now there's some kids who, for whatever reason, just look, they don't, you know, <laughs> they have a short memory period. It, you know, it, it doesn't affect them exactly the same way. But if most of us who are dedicated and committed to something and want something and don't want to live, you know, let our teammates down and our coaches down and, you know, uh, you're going to feel those. You're going to feel those things. They're going to be there. Sorry, I, uh, it's, it's go ahead. Amazing. I was just giggling, I, laughing back here because we tell our coaches through pro skills, like, I mean, it's not enough to just go tell kids like, hey, just be confident. And yeah, that, that reminds me <laughs> right. of like, hey, let go of judgment. Like, okay, I mean, <laughs> how right. you know, there's, 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 yes. there's so much deeper, and, and you know, it's not enough to just tell a kid like, hey, just be confident. Like, what, like if if the kid could choose to be confident, I'm pretty sure he would have chosen that. And so I, I, I always say that. Is there anyone in the room who would ever say, you know what, I choose if it's a choice to be not confident in my <laughs> yeah. shot? Yeah. Like no, no one would choose that. So let's get out of this thing where we think that that it's just about saying be confident. And, and 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 let me just say this. 
I love the fact that a coach will say, hey, I don't care. That's a great shot. Keep shooting it, right? If that's the right shot for that kid and 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 you want him to shoot that, and even though the last result wasn't great, I, I 100% believe the coach is doing a great thing for that kid by saying those words, all right? And it still may not be enough because the 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 kid that shot it needs to buy into it was a great shot and i do trust that the coach means that that my teammates believe him you know there's a lot of pieces that are still um variables there but i i totally love the coach saying that and and they should preach that actually but but sometimes we think because we've given them the it's okay that that means that their brain is going to say it's okay and those are two different things the, I, I, this, and this kind of goes along. I kind of want to expand on this a little bit, and and I think you're, I've I've sort of come to this realization over the, like the last couple of years, and in, in working with coaches, and um, and I, and I think you'll agree with this assessment. But especially in basketball, I feel like it's become this thing where coaches are really, really focused on the on the court. This is the strategy. These are the defenses we play. These are the drills that we do. Yeah, I believe there needs to be a much bigger focus on the psychology side of and, and like leadership development side. And how do I deal with a player? How do I connect with my players? How do I how do I deal with a player who's down in the dumps? And one of the best ways to do that. And and so I'm assuming you would agree with that. And, and if so, I <laughs> yeah, I I'm relatively you. biased. So <laughs> yeah. that's not, you're not well, going to have to sell me. Much I, I want to put you on the spot of like, let's say, you know, fast forward five years and and. Um, and let's say we've gotten the focus of youth coaches and coaches in general to be much more focused on these things that we're talking about, the, the, the mental aspects, uh, how to be a good leader. Um, what does a program like that look like? How, how, do, how do we, you know, one, get that message across, and then how, how, do, how could we train coaches better into, hey, like not, let's not put so much importance on, on – or you know, so much importance on like the basketball side of everything, but like more of a focus on the leadership and the mentorship and the, the psychological side of it. Like how, how do you think we can teach coaches better about that side of the game? Well, like, you know, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm a hundred percent on board with you. I often say that we overtrain the body and undertrain the mind. Absolutely. And what we're missing is that, the mind actually controls the body, right? So we talk about this idea of muscle memory, but at the end of the day, it's still memory. It's still in the brain. The body does not perform unless the mind tells it to. And so by, you know, under training the mind, we're forgetting the fact that no matter how great we do it in a practice setting, no matter how perfectly we do it in the, in the perform or the practice setting, in the game, there are variables that change. And if the mind can't access that information, then the body won't do it. And that's the thing I think we're 100%, uh, well, not 100%, but we're missing. We're not there yet. So there's a bunch of things that I, I, that I think we can do. One is, is that we must move towards some type of real coach education programs for young, uh, for younger kids, youth coaches, right? So you know, in, in the world of soccer, there's, there's licensure, uh, and it starts with real basic stuff and it goes up to the highest level where you, you know, to coach at the highest level professionally, you must have 
you know, an A license. And, and we need to do that in the world of basketball. I see the, the world of basketball being kind of wild, wild west in terms of who can coach. Really, most of the time it's did you ever play? Yes. OK, good. Go. Uh, and as long as you can, you know, pass a Corey form, you're you're allowed to coach. And, and there's so much more to it. There's so much more than understanding X's and O's. And so that's just a simple we I think we need to get there. I think USA Basketball has begun that process, if I'm correct. And there is some curriculum, but I still don't think it's really it's it's made its way down to the youth level. I think it's really, really important that that's something that we look to do in the world of basketball. But even more so. What what we what we really need to know is that 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 human beings, all human beings, whether this means uh, in, in the world of sport performance or just life performance, there are basically three variables that that create resiliency because much of what we're talking about is do are, are are the athletes we're working with or the teams that we're working with quite frankly are we as the leaders resilient and and if we are that really increases our chances and and so here's here are those three things it's the mind the body or the environment and so the player themselves if they're going to be resilient, the number one thing that they really have control over is the mind. The mind's going to be with them the most all the time. And it's theirs. So, so we, sh- you know, we should start to really be saying, okay, so what are the things that the people that these young people, and when I say young people, this could be anywhere from, you know, literally youth, young players up through, I mean, college players is what do they need? to have a a healthy approach to the mind and we should be teaching these and I can go deeper into those things, but, but let me just kind of do the broader and then I can get to some specific, but so that's the, the mind, then the environment. Well, the environment is the coaches. So what environment is a coach creating so that an individual can be as resilient as possible. And then the last one, the body is kind of owned by both of us, both the coach and the player. So we have a responsibility as a player to what's our nutrition look like? What's our recovery look like? What's our sleep look like? Do we do any kind of stretching or, or strengthening and conditioning on our own? And then place first of the coaches, obviously, especially depending upon the level that the player is playing at, what does our strength and conditioning program look like? Uh, are we trying to train at all and, and give any information on sleep and nutrition and hydration and all those types of things? But so that the body one is somewhat co-owned, but the mind is really owned by the by the player and and the environment by the by the coach. And so this should be part of our coach education and and under and starting to really understand this. So coaches should know what makes for a healthy environment. And a coach can easily, well, that's not how my coach did it. Okay. That's not how your coach did it, but we know more now. There was a time where we didn't. We thought that that hydration made made players, you know, weak. You know that that was a sign that they're not strong, that they need water. Now we know they might die, so we don't. We no longer do that, right? So when you know more, let's do more, basically. And we know more now about what the environment needs. And so whether you you had a tougher, different environment or not. 
doesn't really matter. It matters to what we know now that most people, individuals need in their environment. And that's where we should be headed. From a player perspective, it shouldn't be, and I, and I run into this all the time, um, if I work on my mind, if I ask somebody that's a professional, that's an expert in the mind, so a sports psychologist, to work with me, that must mean I'm weak. And we need to get beyond that because that's the equivalent of saying, uh, I'm, if I ask a strength and conditioning coach to work with me, that must mean I'm weak. I'm pretty positive that Duke has a, uh, a strength and conditioning program that Zion Williamson is dealing with. The dude is not weak. Yeah. He can only get, but he can get stronger. Is that fair to say? And so that's how I approach the mind. It's not about being weak with the mind. It's that we can get better with the mind. So own that. But let's get beyond this idea that the, that the only people that, that work on the mind are, are, are athletes who are weak-minded. That's not, and, and in fact, that is not my experience at all at the highest levels. Yeah. Wow, man, really interesting stuff. I, this is, you know. This is right up my alley, Steve. I, I'm, I'm just no. I'm, I'm sitting back. I'm listening. I'm just enjoying uh, listening to you talk. It's just been really, really interesting stuff. And I, I kind of, you've hit on so many different things that I, I kind of want to expand on all of it. But you know, this podcast would be about four hours long if we did. All it that. could be. So um, be careful, right? But yeah, I mean, with us, I kind of want to bring it back to, to pro skills basketball. Now we're really making okay. a really a really big push to just constantly improve our, our coaches development and, and, and kind of create a system. So I kind of, I wanted to kind of see if you could expand on, you know, as you're talking to coaches, you know, how do you train coaches on what makes for a healthy environment? Cause I, I'm, you know, through the reading I've done, I, I think we've, you know, we want to make an effort on, on having our coaches working with young people, making sure that they, the young people feel like they're in a safe environment. I know, Yep. of safety really can bring a group together, create a really strong culture. But uh, I mean, besides safety, um, and, that, and when I say safety, I mean like physical safety, yes, but also like the safety to kind of be yourself. Um, yeah. What other things create a healthy environment? So, you know, if I was going to, I would go with that. Um, but 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 let me expand on it in this way. So, the idea of a growth mindset. I'm sure you've heard of that. Mm-hmm. That phrase or that term now and and a lot of coaches you will hear that you know i'll hear that in in conversations and or clinics or or what have you or you know in social media coaches will talk about their you know wanting athletes with a growth mindset and you know the 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 idea of the growth mindset came from carol weck's work um and and in actually in educational settings. So it started as a, as something about, well, what students do the best? And are, is it always students that have a high IQ? Um, and the answer was no, it was not necessarily about God given intelligence. It was about this idea that, that it's the individuals who are willing to take risks to, to go for it, uh, get it wrong, get feedback, improve on it, and continue to grow. And that's the idea of growth mindset. But the, the concept wasn't that the, that the kid, the learner just was supposed to have this. And if the, again, going back to this idea, if we just say it, then they'll have it. Uh, 
is it's not, it's really about what the teacher is supposed to stress in the classroom. So it kind of goes to what you're saying. So these are the there are two main pillars. I mean, we can go deep on to how do we build trust and and um, and how do we um, create the, the safety. But but these are the two main pillars. The two main pillars are first the the idea of um, that we're gonna we're gonna test them at a high level. The expectation level is gonna be high, so that we're not making it too easy. Then the second part though goes back to what you were saying, which is this idea of psychological safety. How is it okay for me to demand at a high level? I'm gonna have high expectations, but I'm gonna work with the individual on that's awesome. Keep going for that. I know you did it wrong. Here's what was wrong there, though. It wasn't completely wrong. It was just this piece. Okay, let's correct this piece. Let's work with this piece. And at the same time, you're both being, you're you're still having this high demand, but on the other end of it, you're allowing for failure to be part of the process of improvement. And the and the and the kids that you're coaching feel both of those things. They feel that you're not going to let them off easy. You're not going to praise them when they don't deserve, let's say, you're not going to praise something that's not correct. How about that lack of, let's not use the word deserve or not deserve. But if something's not accurate, we shouldn't praise it because now we're reinforcing something being not accurate. So sometimes we have this false idea that we're just, everybody just cheers all the time. That's not what we're talking about. But we can cheer the effort the idea that they were willing to go for it. And at the same time, we don't lower our expectation. So the demand stays high. That was close, but not quite. And, but what we're not going to use is embarrassment. We're not going to use, you know, uh, uh, essentially testing a, a young person's uh, toughness. Um, when the reality is that's not what it's about at that point. It has nothing to do with being tough or not tough. It, it's, it's a learning process at that point. And that's what we should be trying to. And so patience is part of learning, right, is, is, is part of teaching. And so that's what we're trying to do is correct, make it safe for mistakes, while at the same time keeping a high demand. When we have a place where the demand stays high, but the safety stays high, that is where massive growth takes off. Yeah. Wow. Really interesting. See, I mean, again, I feel like we could, uh, every time you say like we can go deeper into it, I want you to, but again, this is <laughs> going to be a four hour podcast. So I think we're, we're, we're approaching the end of, of, of our time allotment here, but um, I really want to say thank you, man. I, I might try to call you as soon as we're done with this and we can sort of talk all day. But um, I think just to kind of wrap up, can you, um, you let people know where they can find you and how they can reach out to you and, and um, you know, social media platforms or websites? Yeah. Um, the, the best place to, to, if you were trying to reach me would probably be directly through my website, which is wellperformancecoach.com. Uh, and then you can kind of go in there and grab my email uh, is in there or, um, but my social media is Instagram is wellperformance. And, um, and Twitter is at well performance. And, you know, one thing I always say about my, my social media is that everything that we just talked about will be 
what you find in my social media. I'll never have a quote from Michael Jordan that says something um, that doesn't reinforce what I teach. And the reason I say that is because, um, you know, what worked for an outlier like Michael Jordan might not be what works for the other 99.9999% of us. So, so just because someone great has said something doesn't mean that it actually matches up with the science of what the mind does. And so it's important for me to make sure that all my social media, everything that I put out is always going to match up with everything that I teach. So it reinforces um, everything that I do with my teams, with my individuals, with the coaches that I work with, it's always going to, it's always going to match up. Um, so, so I try to do that. And then, um, I also have created an, an app for, for all the athletes that I work with. And then obviously others can just download it. It's on, uh, it's only at this point in, uh, um, iOS, um, because, uh, most of the athletes that I work with are all using iPhones or iPads. So, so that's where I am right now. And it's called do so D O S O one word, and you can find it in the app store. Um, and it reinforces every lesson, um, that we mentioned today, or every principle that I mentioned today is going to be a lesson within, uh, within the app. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. I'd strongly encourage any, any young kids out there listening to check out the website check out the twitter handle and and um you know go, go i'm gonna check out this app myself so Stu, man Sweet. thank you so much for your time I, I really appreciate it really fascinating topic that I'm, I'm pretty passionate about so um hopefully we can get you on again sometime in the future and uh yeah thanks so much for for your time today thanks for having me on and i'd love to be on again that's great thanks Stu. all right talk to you logan